Hi, I am Sadiq. And I'm Christian. And this is episode 21 of Shades of Brown. And this week is all WWDC, or as, as people say, Dub Dub DC. Uh, it's, it's a bonanza. It's a bonanza, a Dub Dub DC bonanza. It's, it's all going to be Dub Dub DC. So we're going to start with, with our, 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 our developer tools. So we're going to start with Xcode 9. First things first, there's a new source code editor. Um, it's completely rewritten in Swift, which is great. There's faster file opening uh, times. There's a new refactoring system. The whole editor got redesigned. You see there's even a markdown editor in it now. Um, they added support for more code, for like more context highlighting and uh, easier fix-its for um, small grammatical, right? If you refer to programming languages, there's still grammar to it, right? Or syntax, I guess. It's, those are kind of synonymous. But, you know, all the things you'd expect from like a modern editor. But the most important thing is that now it'll scroll at 60 frames per second. As a static can contest to, I have gone on a bit about how, for no reason, Xcode likes to just clock out at 30 frames per second, but only when scrolling text. Yeah, it's 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 weird. It's that's the only part that's like slow like that. I guess refactoring it, uh, they redid the whole editor, and it's much faster. It looks nicer. Uh, it has stuff like um, faster file opens, faster searching within files. You know, 60 FPS scrolling. Christian mentioned. So good, yeah. They, when they demoed that, it was like everybody was everybody was clapping because you know he just scrolls the page and everyone just starts clapping immediately because you know it's good because it's literally it's like it's the smallest thing ever, but it's just so worth it. But also too, there's now GitHub integration now. Before, so Xcode had Git integration and you could add um, a GitHub account. You'd add it like any uh, Git repository or Git information, right? You but you just have to add your, like your private SSH keys and all that and. It was a little weird because sometimes you have to hop into the terminal to uh, really like configure your repo. Like, so if you started an app on your MacBook and you um, had to initialize a Git repo uh, locally, and then you open and then you go to GitHub, right? You create a project and you, and you initialize that project for README. Sometimes Xcode, if you try doing it from the UI in Xcode, it'd get really confused and it'd break a little bit. And then you have to hop into the terminal and just manually fix all the conflicts. But now you can just add your GitHub account and create new repos locally from Xcode, update your repos, sync ones. And if you're on GitHub on the web, there's a button to immediately clone it into Xcode, which is super yes, good. Yes, which is super cool. And this is good because GitHub has an API, which, can, which, they can, which I, I imagine they're using. Um, you, you, can, you can start a project in Xcode, create a new repo from Xcode and push it up to GitHub, uh, all from Xcode. So you don't even have to open up GitHub uh, in your web browser. Uh, which which is really cool. You have like doing like merges uh, within, within branches, and doing tags. You can do stuff like releases with tags, and so just just integrated really well to GitHub and GitHub Enterprise. So if if you have an org that's using GitHub, uh, this is just it's just fantastic. Really, it's all good stuff. Uh, next up, uh, we have uh, Xcode Server built in. So if you if you do um, Continuous uh, integration. Uh, it's 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 no longer you don't have to have to download the macOS server uh, stuff. You just have that stuff built right into Xcode five. Sorry, Xcode nine. Yeah, and for people who don't know, uh, like continuous integration would be like you have um, every time you uh, create a new build of your app or whatever, it immediately tests it. So you'd have like a, a bunch of um, scripts or whatever, I guess, set up right where it's like test setup where it's uh, it's going to automatically load a bunch of simulation devices and then run a bunch of, uh, of your tests on there every time you build your app and all that. And beforehand, you had to like go ahead, install Xcode server, set it up that way. But now it's a little more integrated. And a little yeah, which, which brings me to the uh, other thing. You can have multiple simulator devices booted at once, which means that you can have uh, uh, iOS, like an, uh, like an iPhone simulator, uh, iPad simulator, and a watch simulator. So you, so you can easily switch between them uh, and test your app. Yeah, and they also did a little redesign of the simulator itself. So it's faster now. Um, they changed how it looks a little bit. They'll actually show you bezels and like uh, hardware buttons on, in the simulator app just uh, on screen. So you can kind of test out doing um, edge gestures and all that fun yep. stuff. And the, and the last thing that got a lot of applause, uh, the, not the last thing, but the thing that got a lot of applause was wireless uh, development. 
uh, which it, who knows if it's good though, right? Like, like why is it so you can like debug tvOS and um, iOS devices? They did not say watchOS, which is yeah. weird. Yeah, I mean, because watchOS Wi-Fi is weird because it it uses uh, Wi-Fi only if it's out of range with the wall with the phone. Um, and it's like a special sort of backup link, but. But but like right now though, if you want to debug a watch from Xcode, you have to have your iPhone plugged in. So I'm thinking that you might be able to do watchOS debugging because if you're debugging to your iPhone over the network, then you can just go straight to the watch as well. If you're still going through your iPhone, I don't know. I gotta I gotta wait until I test out a, one of the beta builds and see what. Yeah, that up. that is really cool though. You don't have to uh, plug in your phone uh, or or your iPad uh, to to debug uh, debug stuff, which is which is cool. Uh, I suppose it would depend on how good your Wi-Fi network is, uh, latency and stuff. And the last thing on this topic is a Swift four. Swift four. All right. So we talked some of the, some of the, the changes last week. I think I just like briefly mentioned some. So uh, we're gonna have a podcast link to the show notes. Always find it at twoshadesofbrown.com. It's gonna be a podcast called Swift Unwrap, which is really good. Uh, every week they take like one topic from Swift and the Swift community and just like go into depth for it for half an hour. And this week's uh, one was going really in-depth with Swift 4. Um, there's just, like three things I want to mention, which I think are really cool. They redesigned strings. So now strings are a collection type. They're, they've been moved. They've been moved. So, so like the problem with strings before was how it was, how, how it was structured as a type. It was, so like say, for example, you wanted to check the amount of characters in a string. It would, it's, it'd be nested. So the string would be one type, but then you'd have to call, um, you have to call something so you can go, so you could break apart the string to call the characters. So you can't, you could, you weren't able to just do like uh, string dot characters and then go from there. You got to do a little more weirdness with it. So now they fix that and they have some Unicode changes. Yeah, the really Unicode graphemes, I don't know what graphemes are, but. Um... Well, oh, so it's, emoji is a great way to describe this. So. So beforehand, with how Uni- how they had uh, Unicode support was, so right now Swift Four supports supports all of Unicode nine, and so think of the people emojis. So the emoji to get a woman programming who is dark skinned is the dark skin emoji, the woman emoji, and I think the laptop emoji, or there might be a woman on, or a person on a laptop emoji, right? So beforehand in Swift, that'd be four independent characters. And now with the uh, Unicode one, it can recognize that that's technically one character, even though there's like four set of bits or three set of bits that combine to create that. Yeah, character. yeah, that's uh, it's it's much better Unicode uh, sort of uh, support all through the language, which is cool. Much better string. Uh, they improve performance with, uh, on strings as well. Uh, stuff like that. Uh, the other stuff is is beyond me, but if you wanna, if you are really into Swift, uh, you should check out the podcast we link. Uh, on spec.fm and with that uh to move on to the next topic which which really um did not get that much stuff uh during the keynote but we're gonna have to talk about it uh watch os i so i just want to say um this podcast is going to be a lot of christian was right and watch watch os 4 is where we start because xcode and and swift was that's that there's a public roadmap for that you can all these changes we probably everyone saw coming right but so watch os 4 they redesigned the home screen. I, I just want to start with that. So, so now you can have two views. You can have a weird honeycomb view, which is uh, disgusting, or you could switch to a vertical list of all your installed apps. Yes, that is that is a welcome, much welcome change because the honeycomb view is, is, is bad. It's not good. There's a lot of, as I said, API changes. They they broke um, a bit of the WatchKit stuff apart so you can... Um, you have more control over your watches or the UI on your watch. They brought over a bunch a bunch more APIs. There's a better improved backgrounding. Everything that I wanted is coming. I mean, this I I still I imagine there's gonna be some APIs from iOS that still aren't there yet, just because you, you only do so much in a year. But more importantly, we have a new Siri powered watch face, which is um if you ever use an Android Wear watch or just think of like Google Now. Before they like we really oddly rebranded the assistant, where you just open it and it's just a bunch of cards of what the device or what uh, Google or in this case Siri thinks you should you need to know at this moment, and you can scroll through to see what's happening in the pat or happening in the future, 
or and you could scroll backwards to see what's happening in the past. Yeah, so it's just it's like a watch face. Just that actually, this is a good feature because Siri, I think, is also improving as we're going to be talking about uh, later on. But yeah, Siri integrated into the watch OS like this is much better than what the current uh, iteration of Siri is on the watch. So, so I'm looking forward to trying out Siri again because I have it turned off. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to trying it out. Yeah, I'm looking. I'm gonna make this watch face my default one for a couple weeks and see how it works out. Yeah. And then there's also a new design language, kind of. So as of right now, on the watch, it uses more of a um, vertical, or I mean, a horizontal language for system stuff, right? So you open the dock and you go left and right, but now everything is vertical. So if you open the dock, it'll just be a vertical stack of all your recently used apps and ones you have pinned. As we said, at the home screen, it's our vertical scrolling view. Um, you can still control center and notification center up and down. And they're emphasizing more of like tiles being stacked on top of each other for the uh, system apps, which probably makes more sense in the context of a watch anyways, because if you're using the digital crown and you scroll it, you, you, don't, you shouldn't be expecting things to move left and right. You should expect them to go up and down. So if that's watchOS, there's not much else. The workout stuff has been improved. Uh, if you do that, if you use workouts app. Uh... Yeah, there's an integration of some gym machines. Uh, but I feel like watchOS, there's going to be some more stuff, but it's probably going to be new hardware. Like sleep, I, I, I know for a fact sleep tracking is definitely going to come, but I, I feel like there's a couple more things. And also, too, there's a built-in glucose monitor now. And Apple, like, they showed it on screen, right? And it's really detailed, but you have to use a third-party thing, a third-party device. You have to have it plugged into, a, you have to have it Bluetooth synced to a glucose monitor. I feel like since they put that much work into making the glucose like actual um, display native to the watch, I feel like that's a hint that they're actually doing blood sugar tracking on the new watch because there's been a lot of rumors about that. Yeah, that's definitely probably something that they're working on. Uh, probably we'll see something in September uh, when new hardware uh, comes out. Uh, with that, uh, from we move on from watchOS to something that was even less uh, important on in there in the keynote, uh, tvOS. The only significant news uh, from tvOS was that Amazon Prime Video is coming to Apple TV later this year. There's one change. So, like, on Apple's developer website, they have, like, these really long pages for all the API changes and stuff for um, each new re release. tvOS is so small. You know, like, it's a half scroll. It's literally just that there's a new tvML kit uh, programming thing. Like, it's a, a kit for making apps. It's essentially, like... JavaScript and XML boilerplate code for people who don't really, who aren't like, like professional programmers. It's just like you point it to your CDN, you can uh, customize the UI a bit, and Apple does the rest for you. Yeah, so it's that. That is basically all that was mentioned uh, about TVOS during the keynote. We probably see some. We probably see new hardware in September, like uh, new Apple TV. Uh, box uh, with 4K support and whatnot, um, stuff like that. But other than that, there wasn't uh, there wasn't anything else. Which brings us to the next topic, uh, our our favorite OS, uh, Mac OS. It's called High Sierra. Like honestly, like can, can we talk about that for a second? Like that, uh, why is that? Like they couldn't they come up with something literally anything else? Because it's like Sierra is a mountain range, I believe, in California. So you get to pick. So if they're going for like the. Um, snow leopard thing to leopard right where it's like this is more of an incremental release we're just going to do a bunch of back-end changes bring over a new file system redo our graphics stack you know do some really like some core changes to the os but hi sierra like i get it but dude i get it but like the weed jokes are going to be endless endless and it's kind of weird for like you know when you think about it, like in like outside the scope of us just making like weed jokes, like drug jokes for like the company the size of Apple and like all the markets they hit. Yeah, um, maybe not the best. I mean, it's fine because using high as a word, high has multiple connotations. But I was listening to Connected this week, and they were like, instead of like saying hi Sierra, we should say hi Sierra. Um, like, like one thing that's going to be high Sierra, like the phrase, this, the way it sounds is not di very different from say, Hey Siri, like the, the, like the sort of sounds are very similar. I wonder if there's going to be, uh, some sort of weird, uh, voice detection problem with Siri. If you say hi Sierra or Hey Siri, um, uh, who knows, but 
Uh, that's the name. But moving on from the name itself, uh, let's see what the features are. Features are uh, APFS. Yeah, APFS is obviously going to be the new uh, file system for High Sierra. Uh, so I suppose new installs will be APFS by default. And as Christian said, um, you can upgrade. And when you upgrade, the box is checked by default, mind you, to um, upgrade to APFS. All right. I mean, okay, that's fine. Uh, if it fails, then I'm gonna I'm gonna take it to the uh, Apple Store and be like, uh, you shouldn't have done that. Well, so I've seen on Twitter that on spinning disks, APFS is not great. There's been a lot of failed migrations, but on solid state disks, it's been perfectly fine. I Most Macs these days are on solid states. Uh, Most laptop new Macs, but still desktops. IMAX are still sold with uh, spinning disks. You have to do you have to do the five K the high end ones to start getting SSDs in them, and even then they have fusion drives, right? So it's only the boot partition that's uh, solid. The rest of it's going to be spinning. Ugh. Uh, no more spinning drives uh, unless unless it's like a uh, Mac Pro. But yeah, spinning drives are really really not great. Um, but yeah, so APFS is coming. It's going to be migration in place. I'm looking forward to that. Um, so moving on from the file system, uh, we have the Photos app being uh with the biggest feature here is the face recognition is going to sync across all your devices uh which means that the photos app in mac uh, on mac is going to have the faces uh synced with your ios devices um there's going to be better editing support uh live photo enhancement stuff you know so if you use if you use the photos app and then also too with uh, FaceTime now, if you're video FaceTiming someone, you can make a live photo from the FaceTime feed, which is weird. But I guess you know if they have the technology, why not? Why not? Um, from from photos, we move on to Safari, which is actually has some interesting changes this time. Uh, something they're calling uh, intelligent tracking prevention. Um, so they're they're what they're doing here, Christian. I think you may be able to explain this better. Uh, All right. So um, the intelligent tracking. So essentially, what they're doing, they're using a machine learning algorithm to um, to detect if because as of right now, Safari by default will only accept cookies from websites you visit by default. But the machine learning algorithm will run through the page's source code and see what your um, what what's really being like loaded by the page, right? So if you're going to Google, if you're going to Facebook, because you're actually going to those domains. It's still going to load, um, like you're still, you're still going to have those trackers. But if it detects some random ad tracking network that you've never been to their actual website, right, then it's going to start blocking those, and it won't let you use any other cookies or anything like that because it's probably probably just tracking you. Yeah, they're also uh, adding in a feature where uh, autoplay videos uh, will be stopped before the start, uh, which is good for all those news sites that play autoplay videos because hashtag engagement of both some bullshit also a reader is gonna get uh some updates i think the reader is gonna it does like an automatic it can suggest you to automatically use reader on some websites because uh if their ui is just too bad so uh there's a uh, some some webkit changes that are super important that i want to talk about there's webrtc fully supported WebAssembly is fully supported and I believe the push notification stuff that you wanted is coming as well. Web push, not full progressive, just um, basic progressive stuff, like the, some like core stuff is starting to move over. Service workers um, and uh, so service workers, are they going to be supporting service workers? Is that service workers not supported? Uh, they have support though for a newer web push standard. All right, uh, like that's that's fine on Macs. I'm wondering about iOS support. We're gonna get to that later, but uh... oh, iOS is the same. Safari 11, Safari. The WebKit changes are exactly the same. All this stuff that's coming to Mac is coming to the iOS build of Safari too. All right, so okay, not quite the integration I wanted. They have a support for a new API that lets you update the uh, icon for home screen stuff from web pages. Right, the favicon is in static, so I feel like they're starting to Safari 12 next year is probably gonna have full support for progressive web apps. Yes, I hope I hope it does because it's the Apple is really behind with this stuff. Um, but next next topic uh, for Mac is iCloud. Um, messages are gonna be um, synced in iCloud, which means like if you delete something on your Mac, uh, it's gonna be deleted on the iOS device as well. Uh, which is which is really nice because I have to do manually delete stuff from iOS and then from Mac. And it's, uh, you know what? You know what really is going to just be deleted, right? 
the uh, two-step authentication text messages people get. That's I feel like that's probably gonna be the most deleted message type out of this. Uh, just I mean, those are, those are usually not iMessage. Those are SMS, and those don't sync anyway. Yeah, they do. Uh, SMS syncs too. I mean, you oh yeah, yeah they do because oh, I have that turned off because it's buggy as hell. Yeah, yeah. SMS it, it'll be syncing now because all of it be like in the encrypted bundle or that that sent to iMessage. So um, essentially, but also too, I just wanted to use that as a little side note. Just uh, turn off SMS two step. It's not not good for you. Um, also, uh, iCloud storage plans uh, for the family, uh, so you can have shared, uh, shared like two hundred GB or two TB plans. Uh, I'm actually interested in this. Um, yeah, and they also dropped the price. They got rid of the one terabyte plan and dropped the two terabyte plan to the same price, ten dollars a month now. Yeah, we'll we'll see. I'm interested in the family plan when that uh, comes out. Um, I'm interested in trying that out. Because you have a lot of iOS devices and some of the iCloud uh, accounts are out of space on the default uh, space, which is which is really like five GB. Come on, Apple, uh, seriously. Uh, so the hardware stuff, uh, MacBook and MacBook Pros uh, get a KB Lake refresh. There's just spec bumps, and the uh, baby MacBook, the one that I have, the little twelve inch one, gets the second generation keyboard. And the MacBook, and the MacBook Air is still here. I got a 200 megahertz bump, still using Broadwell chips. I don't understand this. I, th- well, I understand it. It's because um, the MacBook Air is still their cheapest. Is it, it did drop the price now, so it's the same price as the MacBook Adorable. Mm-mm. MacBook Adorable is 1300 MacBook Air is uh, 800, $899. Ooh, they dropped it? Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. MacBook Adorable hasn't been, uh, hasn't been dropped in price yet, so they're uh, still similar. All right. Uh, so I, I makes sense they're still keeping it on because it sells a lot of volume, um, I guess. Especially just, in education and stuff. Yeah, yeah definitely. They're going to be selling a lot of volume of that. Um, and the biggest uh, news here, um, the iMac iMac price changes and the iMac Pro. So so the iMac just got spec bumps. They have a new display. Uh, it sports wide color gamuts, HDR. So now... All the all of Apple's displays can do HDR stuff. The MacBook Adorable also screen is updated to do white color gamut. But the 2016 one had, um, I th- I don't think it had full HDR. I th- I think it only had 100% of sRGB covered. Um, but also all of Apple screens now are um, white color gamut, all that fun stuff. And the iMac Pro is ooh, you you this is yours. You you have this. Oh, let me talk about that. Let me talk about this. Oh, like, uh, okay, so we'll start off with the display, um, 5K Retina display here, uh, 5120 by 2880 uh, resolution, 500 nits, uh, wide color, as Christian mentioned, uh, P3. Okay, processors, you have three options. Uh, the lowest option is at 8 cores Xeon, um, Skylake. Um, ten, you can go up to a 10 cores Xeon, or uh, if you have way too much money, um, 18 cores uh, of Xeon, uh, Xeon power. Uh, memory, uh, RAM, you, ha- you can you start with uh, 32 gigs of DDR4 uh, ECC at 2666 uh, megahertz. You can configure up to 64 gigs or 128 gigs of RAM, uh, which, which, is, which is fantastic. Uh, uh, storage, you start off with a 1 TB SSD. Configurable up to two TB or four TB, and now graphics, which is uh, which is where it gets interesting. They're using um, an AMD Vega uh, GPU, uh, Radeon Pro Vega fifty six, with eight gigs of, um, of video RAM. You can get a Vega sixty four with sixteen gigs of uh, VRAM as an upgrade. They're still, which is an interesting one. They're still sticking with uh, AMD stuff for all their. Uh, all the GPUs, uh, discrete GPUs, which is which is interesting. Uh, I think that's a contract. Connections, uh, you get 10 gig uh, Ethernet, which supports 2.5 and 5 gig Ethernet, which is cool. Also, um, you get a new keyboard, and it comes in black. Uh, I think that's that's basically the iMac Pro. This is the weird thing too about this, right? Is that there's a world where this is the new Mac Pro, right? Like before they had that event, they only planned to do an iMac Pro. This is, um, yeah, this is this is really quite the machine. Um, it makes me interested for like, what? How do you take? Where do you take a Mac Pro then? 
PC. Only thing that this probably doesn't have over a Mac Pro is being user replaceable for most of the parts. Yes, uh, expandability, um, user replaceable parts would be what a Mac Pro would bring uh, to the table, which is not enough of a differentiation, I think. So how do you go power, though? I guess you go to, like, I don't even think any... Does Intel even th- make anything above an 18-core Xeon? The 32-core, maybe? Uh, I actually don't know uh, the if there's a bigger than 18-core Xeon or if there's an interest in more than an 18-core Xeon. But I would imagine a lot of the same stuff that we have here uh, is going to be in the future Mac Pro. Um, just going to be expandable with a lot more like desktop uh, slots and whatnot. Uh, you can probably swap out GPUs and add GPUs or whatnot. I wonder if they're going to add like AMD Crossfire support. Uh, who knows? This is just some crazy hardware. I don't need it, but I want it. It is. It is a lot of uh, very very nice hardware, and it looks 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 honestly beautiful. too for the price. Like Apple has weird taxes, right? Like that's very true, but. When you start getting to the really expensive high-end machines, it's pretty... Like, this iMac Pro is not more expensive than a PC with the same hardware in it. And the thing is, um, if, if you're a type of person who needs a machine like this, um, your budget is not... Um... Yeah, and you don't, you don't win when you build it your own, right? When you build it yourself, when you, come, when you start putting Xeons and all this crazy stuff into it, and ECC RAM, you're really... It's, Buying buying one from Apple really isn't like that more expensive, and plus you have a guaranteed great display. Yes, yeah, Steam VR is coming. Uh, there's going to be a beta. Uh, so Valve is going to be releasing a beta beta uh, for Steam VR on the Mac. Uh, they did a HTC Vive demo on the stage with some Star Wars stuff. Yeah, and then uh, Unity and Unreal have both announced that they're porting all their VR tools to Mac OS, so you can start building VR content on a Mac. And for people who do not have an iMac Pro, Apple is selling, and well, they're supporting external GPUs now with a uh, Mac OS High Sierra, but they're also selling an external GPU kit for $600. It's Thunderbolt 3, so it's only going to work on the MacBook Pro. It won't work on the uh, MacBook Adorable. I mean, it technically would work on an iMac, but I don't really know why you need it. But um, it is an enclosure, right? So you could just buy a super powerful GPU that's way more powerful than the one that comes in your iMac. And use that because it's just the enclosure supports the important. Thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad to see that uh, more uh, Apple is taking advantage of the power of Thunderbolt three here because it really is, it really is is a nice sort of thing where you can just like plug in your MacBook Pro into into a discrete GPU and have uh, all the power there. Uh, that's really awesome. Um, yeah, so I'm glad that's coming. I can plug in to my MacBook Pro. Uh, I just realized. Um, but it's it's over USB C. These enclosures are USB C. So if you use a dongle to for USB C to USB A, you're not going to lose anything. I actually don't know. Uh, I don't know the details on this, but because um... I think you, you need a certain amount of bandwidth for yeah. That, 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 work, that right? that's I'm wondering about. That maybe you need a new newer MacBook Pro. Uh... Yeah, because I mean, it's it, even the controller would probably support it, right? But if you plug in, if you throw it through a through a dongle, do you lose any bandwidth? Possible. Yeah, there's possible loss of. Uh throughput there but uh, that's only like a, like it's not released yet so there's uh we, we will see when it comes out uh, what the performance is like on all the and even then too with it with with most of these uh macbooks and stuff you're probably gonna need a 15 inch macbook to do vr anyways because cpus your cpus the like gpu is one thing right like it's obviously important but for a lot of macs i think the cpus is going to be the bottleneck for um, doing stable VR, yeah, yeah, definitely. Like uh, CPU is gonna CPU is gonna bottleneck, uh, especially on those like lower end uh, MacBook Pros or the MacBook. Uh, you got you gonna need a more powerful CPU to do those rendering. I mean, a lot of stuff is offloaded to the GPU, obviously, but you know you still have the, the CPU in there. Uh, so that's that's all the sort of hardware related uh, news. Well, that's all the Mac hardware stuff. Now there's a, uh, I want to talk about some of the, they announced some new iPad stuff. And so, yep, we have a uh, new 10.5 inch iPad Pro. So it's in the same size body as a 9.7 inch. I think it's a little bit thinner, weighs about the same, but they reduced some of the bezels and raised the screen size to 10.5 inches. Um, it's running on an A10X processor, has all, has four gigs of RAM by default now. I think the previous iPad Pros were sitting at two. Six core CPU. Oh, also, yeah. um, one twenty hertz uh, screen. Uh, the ref- oh yeah, one twenty hertz refresh rate. So that means that I believe iOS is now running their animations at one hundred twenty frames per second, 
which is really nice. And it can also variably uh, scale the refresh rate. So if you're watching a film that is shot at 24 frames per second, it can go ahead and bump down the refresh rate, save battery life, save processing power, because you don't need more than that. What is more important is A, the, thunder, the lightning port is now USB 3, so it supports higher speeds. First iOS device to do that. Well, the 12.9-inch um, also got bumped to the same screen and same hardware changes. And the storage is now sitting at 64 gigs, goes to 256 and 512 gigs of storage, which is great because you, if Apple wants these productivity devices, they need to start shipping all their iOS devices with more storage. Yeah, 512 is really, yeah, if, if, if you live on your iPad, that's, that's really uh, that's what you need. Uh, yeah, so the, the Apple updated the hardware uh, over here, the iPad Pro 10.5 and 12.9-inch models. I mean, cameras, like... Well, if you're, for some of the iOS 11 stuff, it matters. You want, you want a better camera array for that, not for taking pictures, but for using it as like an input device and all that sort of stuff. They redid the, I, the um, Apple Pencil to have lower latency. It's now at 20 milliseconds, which I think is better than even the Surface Pros, which uh, had the best latency until yesterday or two days ago. And then there's uh, a bit of a price bump, I think. It's sitting at $649 for the base iPad Pro 10.5-inch, 12.9-inch at $800 American. And I, I think we can now consider iPads like actual productivity devices, especially if like, the software changes. Yeah, because, yeah, yeah, because which we're going to be talking about in a bit. Um, next topic, the big one. Um, well, two of iOS, iOS 11. And we're gonna. I want to start with just iPad changes because it really this is a, this is an iPad update. So uh, they essentially were like, "What if we took the dock, Mission Control, and like some and the Finder and put it on iOS?" Which, mind you, um, a, a soundbite will also be playing here from last week's episode is what I exactly predicted, and a certain someone, a certain co-host, said that. That said that file management would not come to the iPad and that maybe drag and drop would happen if I remember correctly. Yep. Mm-hmm. Both of those are happening, by yep. the way. So let's start with drag and drop. Drag and drop works as you expect it. You can drag between apps. You can go from app to app. You can open the multitask manager and have to go to a different app while still dragging and dropping. It's essentially how it works on a desktop, which is what everyone wanted. Um, they redid the dock. So now it has recently used apps and pinned apps and it works just like the Mac dock. You can open it from anywhere in the uh, OS. The Files app got redesigned, so now any app can plug into it, um, as I said last week, as we wanted. So you can have Dropbox in there. You can use it as a temporary place to store files. You can um, hop in any apps files. You can create folders. There's no downloads manager yet. There's uh, zip support, I believe, is there, though. You can unarchive. Also, um, the, the Files app supports playback for Flack, which, which implies that the OS now supports Black playback. Yeah. Which and I mean, finally. It's so good. It's just like, it's, yeah, this is all so great. Improved keyboard support. Uh, you can have four apps open at once. Yep. The, on so on a big enough have, screen. Yeah, yeah. On the 12. You can do point. split view. You can do three apps split view, right? And you can also do one floating app. Yep. So it's so good. It is like the new control center. Let's talk about that for a second here. Uh, they redid control center entirely uh, to be more. I feel like they redid it. So it's in one screen now instead of like two panes or three panes of home kit that you swipe. And I feel like they did that because it was really undiscoverable that there was another that you could swipe through panes. So they threw everything onto one. But it's so, it's like some abstract design. Yeah, it is really a lot of very heavy dependence on 3D touch, which is. Um... You can, yeah, but you can also control that control center too. God, that was a bad pun. But you can. Um, you can go into settings and configure the design of it and how and whatever you want to have displayed on there. So it's all, it's very power user friendly, which is really, it's interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. We'll, we'll see how it plays out uh, long term when it comes out. Uh, the beta is available now. Uh, but more, there's some other changes I want to talk about though. There's some app store changes. So now you can have apps that download code off the internet and run them. They lifted that restriction, which is super good. Now you can have like an actual IDE. You can have like um, an app that like, you can write Ruby now, right? And have it actually like compile because you can have a compiler there. They open that restriction up. They have a new core NFC framework, which lets you use NFC tags for anything, 
You can now scan QR codes from the Photos app. There's a there's a storage saving dashboard. When you go to storage in your settings, I'll tell you recommendations of things you might want to delete or apps. You can have it set to automatically delete apps that have not been opened in over a month. Like it is, it's so big. There's what else? I think I'm just like, I'm trying to go off the top of my head here. We have some things written down. Um, there is also AR kit. So like you, so it's, Facebook has had a big AR push earlier in the year, but now Apple's building it into iOS proper, so you don't have to use Facebook's library if you want to get free and easy AR. So essentially, they're doing the same thing that Google Tango did, which is room mapping, texture mapping, and like uh, placement and all that stuff, and light, light and shadows. And you can essentially just place objects onto a table and um, walk around the room and have it still be there. So like what Pokemon Go should have been is uh, they're now not going to actually be able to do it, and it's given to free for everyone. And you don't have to go through like Facebook stuff or anything like that. Um, it supports on all the iPad Pros and the 6S up. And this is why like the i the new iPads getting the cameras was really important because now you can do this Air stuff. Mm, yeah, that's true. Can can we talk about the system app redesigns here? Uh, starting with the App Store, getting getting like uh like the new design language here. Uh, the big headers. Uh, so, so like basically news space. and music from last year just uh, kind of spread yeah. out to every app. Every app got redesigned, even like the podcast app too. They they redesigned that. All right. Yeah. So the app store looks like there's like different sections. Um uh speaking of sections, uh Monument Valley 2 was announced, like low-key announced. Uh, a surprise exclusive drop. I have it installed. I played a little bit of it. It's good. Just go pick it up on the app store. Yeah. Support your good iOS game development. Um but yes, uh App Store revamped entirely it looks it looks clean as hell uh, i'm looking forward to it uh maps also uh got redesigned uh stuff like indoor maps lane guidance uh speed limits um messages oh this is good this is big uh this was a wish list feature uh i message apps it, it's redesigned oh kind of so they basically they made it they made it way more obvious that if you have iMessage apps or sticker packs installed to get access to them but they didn't really expand on any of the APIs, nor did they bring stickers to Mac OS, which still makes me upset. Yeah, I mean, one step at a time, but yes, they did, we did redesign um, the iMessage apps to be more discoverable. It's like at the bottom of the, bottom of the screen if you have uh, iMessage apps installed, uh, which is also dig- digital touch has lost a prominent placement, uh, which is... It's, it's, not, it's not removed, but it's no, longer, it's no longer front and center. Oh, uh, thank God. It's now an iMessage app, which is... Uh, thank God. That's what we wanted. Yeah. Like, this, this two wish list stuff is, is, is good uh, because... We're, we're basically, we got everything we want. It's Christmas. It's Christmas in, Ju- in June. Also, something that is really cool, uh, Apple Pay peer, person-to-person uh, transactions. Oh, yeah, which, which is more interesting about that, though, is that there's now a temporary Apple debit card you can use to make Apple Pay purchases which is essentially Apple's like kind of a bank now. It is sort of a bank, yes. Uh, it is a bank, I suppose, uh, in the technical sense of the word. Um, or the, I don't know how that works legally, but yeah, if 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 you can you can send uh, you can send money using uh, Apple Pay to other people, um, and that money goes into uh, Apple Pay a cash card, which you can bank account or used for other Apple Pay purchases. Uh, is cool uh, people snarking about this how everybody had this already don't realize that this is you know integrated yeah it's iMessage like you can do it through Facebook Messenger you can do it through Venmo it's like Square Cash but convincing some people to download this app it's a whole pain in the ass so I could just be like oh you can do it through iMessage and you already have your Apple Pay fit because you use Apple Pay on your phone it's already there and then but also too I want to spend a moment and talk about Core ML so it's a uh, so what what it, there's two things that doesn't and like does offer right like Core ML offers it, you a way to run machine learning algorithms on your phone without it being expensive, and lets you tap into some of Apple stuff. But it does not provide the object graphs for you to match your um, objects to right. So you're not Apple isn't giving you like a library of uh, like object recognition. So if you like want to use your camera and tell it to detect objects you still have to go out and get the graph yourself or build one yourself or use like te- some of the TensorFlow libraries or whatever 
they're offering you a way to import it in, but it will build them for you on device and do it privately and do it securely. So like a good way to, I feel like it's like something with Quarmel now, you could basically, like if I'm building an app and I want to have, it's like a note-taking app or it's just like a scrapbooking app or a journaling app. So users are putting in text and they're tying photos to it. So instead of telling people to tag photos now, if I build my own object graph or just use one of Google's TensorFlow ones, you can essentially just start soft tagging things in search by running it through Core ML and having machine learning stuff run in the background and scan and pattern match all of your text and, and images. Yeah, this this is all they're 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 really focusing on the machine learning stuff this year, uh, which is which is cool. I'm um, looking forward to that stuff coming out. Um, oh yeah, because there's that Siri stuff too, right? Where it's like um, if you uh, go to a web, if you search on Wikipedia for a place in Iceland. And then, you know, uh, you don't even have to copy and paste the text. It'll And, like, a name of a Icelandic city or whatever will get tied to your, your – Siri will read that because it's on screen. And if you go and try and type it out in messages, it'll be added to the keyboard as an auto-suggested word. And if you go into news, it'll load up stories about that yep. place. Yeah, this, this is all very uh... – this is all like all the Android users are like, oh, this is what uh, Google Now did, and yes. Um, well, the thing is too, though, this is all between system apps. Google Now is only Google Now. If you I go to Google News, they'll use what I'm what I've searched on for suggestions, but Google doesn't do it as deep as this, which is actually interesting. And more importantly, all of this is done on, on device. device, which is which is I think why people would be upgrading because uh, I suppose uh, newer hardware does this faster. Um, but yes, yeah, this is all done on device. Uh, I suppose when the device is plugged in, um, this stuff happens in the background. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this. Uh, this is all cool stuff. Uh, Siri improvements are definitely definitely needed. Siri's been behind a lot. Um, yeah, and there's a new Siri icon that looks like a brain, which is kind of weird. But more importantly, wishlist feature granted. Siri is the same between all of your devices now. Oh, bless. Lord have mercy. Um, this this is yeah, this is good. The uh, series, um, all the series stuff is synced bet- using your iCloud um, uh, account uh, between Mac, OS, iOS, all your iOS devices. So, yay! I'm I'm happy because now, like I said last week, my watch can finally know about what's on my Mac because it's all synced together, and that's what I wanted. That's all I wanted. Speaking of Siri, um, the big hardware sort of announcement, um. Uh, this time around, which was so sort of the rumors, um, the Siri equipped smart speaker called the um, HomePod. Uh, uh, so Apple is doing bad at names this year, apparently. Uh, I, I don't know why, but it, it uh, makes sense as a name, right? But it's not a good one. Like, I understand the naming process. We got earpods, AirPods. So HomePod makes sense. But I also I like how they introduced it as like a music speaker that also has Siri capabilities. Instead of saying this is an Alexa competitor, or this is a Google Home competitor, they're straight up like this is a really great speaker and it can do some serious stuff. Yeah, so it's integrated with all the music, like all the all the Apple apps are integrated with it, um, as, and that's it, which is interesting. There's no third party app support. Um, though. Yeah, this is this is else it's not available in Canada yet um, for some reason. It's so weird though, right? So they have Siri skills on iOS though, right? None of that's coming to the speaker. Yeah, which is really weird. Like I would expect, like the Siri integration stuff, like with other apps. Well, I mean, even then too, they didn't even expand Siri Kit that much. Like you still can't play to Spotify from Siri. You could only do like call Ubers and stuff, and all like they they only had a couple new skills. Yeah, the domains, like, the Siri Kit yeah, domains. domains. Yeah, they expanded it with a couple new ones, but nothing. You can't even like play Overcast forever through Siri, and so and none of this is coming to the Siri hardware speaker or the HomePod. It's like. It makes sense, I guess. For like, so it's three hundred and fifty American, and it's a really good speaker. I doubt, I don't doubt that it's going to like sound bad. I feel like this is probably gonna be probably one of the best Bluetooth speakers you can buy, or Wi-Fi enabled speakers. Yeah, it's just that the that the integration is lacking uh, because not everybody uses Apple Music. Um, well, you can use it still as a Bluetooth speaker, right? So you'd go into uh, Spotify and you'd play to the HomePod, and that it works that way. Apple confirmed that you can still use it for other stuff, but like the Apple Music stuff is just that. Um, it's going to be higher quality, right? Because it's pulling it straight from Apple Music servers through Wi-Fi instead of going through Bluetooth over your phone. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, I, 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 I'm like honestly, this is not useful to me as in present uh, because like 
I use Spotify. So the biggest feature here is not uh, applicable to me uh, yet. Yeah, I use Apple Music, so it's probably I, I'm probably gonna pick up one. Um, I think the speaker actually looks really dope. It's like a little chubby. I think it's like seven inches tall. It's like it's just a little chubby speaker. It has a a huge subwoofer. It has the same processor as an iPhone Seven and an Apple A8, which is really interesting. And so it's doing like some advanced audio processing and then like some spatial awareness stuff. So like it knows where to send the audio to, what direction to throw the thrust of the audio in case you have it like you have a wall on one end. It's analyzing sort of the layout of the room uh, and directing the audio accordingly. Uh, there's, there's also like these the, the light up of like when you talk to it, the, it lights up on top uh, because Siri is responding. So yeah, and this is going to start at uh, the price is three forty nine US dollars. Uh, there's no other price because it's. I don't think it's coming out anything other than the US. Yeah, just just not Canada apparently. I'm. I'm yeah, I'm. I'm gonna just call that out every time because that, that's stupid. Oh my god, it's so. It's. I. I think it's a cool product. I feel like they're probably gonna announce third party support before it launches. But I feel like they're not. I feel like they aren't because so. We've had the TV OS App Store, the Watch OS App Store, the iMessage App Store, right? Every app store since, even the Mac app store, right? Every app store since the iOS app store has really not taken off. So I feel like they're probably like, why even bother announcing third-party support if no one's going to build anything for this anyways? That's kind of a catch-22, isn't it? Like, if, if SiriKit is not going to expand into more domains, then people are not going to build anything for it, obviously. But I mean, like, they've been, it's been like four times already. People put some, Mac app store had some success, but most developers are try, starting to pull out. Um... No one's making watch apps besides like fitness people and Marco. Uh, well, and underscore David Smith. So buy his apps are good, and no one, no one's making TVOS apps besides like Netflix and Hulu. Yeah, only yeah, TVOS apps are all gonna be uh, media content providers. At this yeah, point. so it's like what's what's the point, right? Like, I mean, I, I get, I get. I'm just saying from like Apple's perspective. Like, I understand. Like, yeah, of course you want like a third party app store, but they're probably thinking like, well, we've launched like four app stores and no one really gives a shit about, about them. So why, why should we like put so much effort into launching an app store with this device? It can come later. Yeah, I'm just yeah. Uh, hopefully, when it when the device launches in more countries in 2018, hopefully there's more third party stuff integrated. But the way SiriKit domains are looking, uh. I'm not very hopeful about that. So that's that's all the WWDC news. Uh, yeah, it's uh, I can we get some closing thoughts. Though. What do you th- what did you think about this year's? Like, what do you think about where Apple's going in in, in general? And that's it's um, I think it's an interesting direction to move, uh, appealing to uh, the productive uh, productivity uh, applications of iOS is, is is a good move in my opinion, which which sort of. Uh, Federico, uh, as you as you all know, is is very happy um, because this this is the, this is where the power users are where you want to retain the users, right? Because the power users are going to be uh, advertising your products to to other users. Um, so so this I think this was a good WWDC, a lot of good stuff. The machine learning stuff is interesting. The AR kit stuff is very interesting. I'm looking uh, forward to seeing what what happens with the with those APIs. Metal two. Uh, stuff like that. The iMac Pro, uh, really cool stuff. So yeah, it's it's been a good good announcements. Uh, this WWDC. Yeah, I think it was. Um, I think that this year's was they're playing catch up, but they caught up very fast and very hard, right? So they Apple's behind an AR because Google's had Tango for the past year and a half. Even if it's like only on certain devices, like some of the Tango stuff is trickling down into their Daydream stuff. Microsoft obviously has Hololens, um, the Coromel stuff. Microsoft has had a bunch of stuff with Azure that you can do uh, for machine learning and Google has their cloud engine and all that. And there's some on-device stuff that Google's been letting you do with um, machine learning. Um, VR support, obviously. Microsoft had a huge VR push. Google, LOL, Daydream. Uh, tablet stuff, Microsoft's been killing it with the Surface, right? iPad has the iPad still sells, but it has been as productive. And so honestly, these new iOS, iOS 11 changes, essentially what Windows 8 did, which is perfectly fine because Windows 8 was good for touch devices. Um, so I think this is Apple catching up, but in the best way. Um, these Exco changes are great. This is like what the technology market should be like, because there's been like a lull in the past couple of years, right? Like with Google of Android, it's like what are they doing? Backend stuff, like you don't see any end to this. But like iOS 11, we can see your iOS is going. With Windows 10, you can see your Windows going. You can see your Microsoft is going. Apple is slowly like 
they didn't bring everything right. We still have iTunes. It's not broken up. No Mac app store changes. There's still no one unified app framework for building UIs between Mac, Mac OS, iOS, watchOS, and tvOS. But Swift is getting better. All this is getting better. Like, I, I have hopes. You know, man, this, this stuff makes me happy. I like it. I was, I was very excited during this. I might have, like, even too, like, with Build, I might have just shot on Fluid Design, but that stuff makes me excited. I'm excited about that, too. Google, a little less so because um, I feel like they're getting complacent with their place in the web and all that, like, with Chrome and all that sort of stuff. But it's good stuff's happening, man. Computers are good. Computers are good. Uh, with that, um, I think we're going to end this week. Uh, you, you can contact us uh, at contact at twoshadesofbrown.com. Uh, you can find me on Mastodon at statusafe at mastodon.zombaclaw.com. And Christian? I'm at uh, chosefine at boys.computer. And with that, goodbye. Bye. As E3 is next week, uh, before the episode ends, I just want to throw in a little bit we recorded a while back on our thoughts and predictions. As always, uh, thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy. Next up, um, E3 is also after the week after WWDC. Um, and E3, for those who don't know, uh, Entertainment Expo, um, all the video games publishers, the big ones, uh, do press conferences, uh, starting with EA. Um, he is going to be doing maybe uh, new Star Wars Battlefront, Battlefront 2. Uh, maybe maybe even a Bioware new IP. Uh, I don't know. As usual, they Well, wait, Need for Speed though, right? Maybe Need for Speed. Who knows? Uh, maybe they usually focus on the sports stuff uh, a lot because they do like FIFA or like uh, NFL or whatever. Oh, yeah. Um, which everybody just groans about on Twitter uh, because nobody cares. But those sell like a billion copies anyway. Um, so yeah, that's that's what EA is going to be doing. Uh, Microsoft uh, is going to be on Sunday. Um, it's going to be a good Xbox. one. It's going to be a good one because we're finally going to get like actual Scorpio information. Scorpio is going to be there. Uh, cr- maybe crack crackdown. Crackdown for sure. I feel like so. This is the list. I think this is going to be a list. It's going to be Scorpio, Crackdown, um, Forza, Cuphead, maybe Sea C- of C- C- Thieves. Yeah, scale of bound or whatever it was called. That's been killed. Maybe, that was killed. That was killed. Yeah. That, that, that was maybe some Halo stuff. Um, I don't maybe think some... Halo. Maybe like a little teaser of like a new Halo game, but nothing big, nothing Gears yeah. related because they've already said no Halo or Gears this year. Uh, and yeah. Halo Wars already came out. I think they're gonna have a huge indie showcase. They already have Xbox Game Pass, which came out last week. Yeah. Um, maybe some new Xbox Live features. Definitely some more WWP stuff. Yep. Definitely, yeah. I'm, I mean, it's going to be around 90 minutes, so I think there's probably going to be some indie stuff. Maybe some Destiny stuff, maybe. Maybe. Uh, I'm, the Scorpio stuff is obviously going to dominate uh, that press conference. Uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see what, what, what the Scorpio looks like, what, what it's going to be priced at, stuff like that. Maybe a new Call of Duty? I don't know. I, I mean, Call of Duty, yeah. I don't know if That's... Microsoft announced this year if they... or I don't know if uh, Activision has announced if they have a... A exclusive deal with Sony still for Call of Duty? Yeah, that's we don't know. That's about per that. game, Maybe. right? I don't think it's per generation. I don't think it was a whole generation yeah. buyout. So Microsoft yeah. might go back to buying the rights to it. Hopefully, yeah. we see an update to the Elite controller. Maybe. Uh, maybe we see some hardware uh, along with uh, Scorpio. Maybe some new controllers. Uh, who knows? Maybe an update to Connect. They might they might come out of the blue and do some Connect no. stuff. Definitely, no. we're gonna have Hololens stuff though. They're gonna yeah. they're gonna show off. There's gonna be a VR push. I feel the it. Connect is that because yeah, they but, have um, um, you have the two hundred dollar mixed reality headsets like we're talking about mm-hmm. the other day. So I definitely mm-hmm. feel like we're gonna start seeing bundles of Scorpio or maybe the uh, Xbox One S with a uh, yeah. with one of those cheap VR headsets. Yeah, because maybe it's yeah. uh, it has inside out tracking and all that stuff, so it should be good mm-hmm. enough. And especially if you tie it with a Connect, I feel like the Connect camera should be good enough to do a little bit of room scale stuff, right? Maybe no, no, I don't think it's it's the camera's good enough for that. Uh, so maybe they'll do. Maybe they announce the new really, camera, right? That's good enough for it. They have a whole like VR bundle. Maybe yeah, because they really need to compete with the PSVR stuff, and uh, it's it's maybe that's what they'll do with Scorpio. Yeah, and at least you have you have like what Scorpio would be a four five hundred dollar thing. That's what I said at the price point five hundred six hundred dollars two hundred dollars yeah. for the headset, and then maybe a new Kinect camera, which is like two hundred to hundred. You're still at the same price for a PS4 Pro with a PSVR setup. Yep. 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 Uh, so moving on from the uh, Microsoft, uh, Bethesda, uh, Bethesda is also on Sunday. Uh, maybe, maybe we'll see new Wolfenstein, uh, new Evil Within. 
Um, maybe Doom. Uh, Doom 2 2016 was was really good. Uh, yeah, I'm, I think they might want to iterate on that. Uh, maybe. Uh, maybe. Uh, at least New Wolfenstein would be would be really cool. Do you think uh, they're gonna tease a new Elder Scrolls game? Yes, but nothing's gonna be definitive at this point. I think. Uh, like like they're gonna tease it, but in the release date's gonna be next year, right? Do you think that's yeah. gonna Do you think that's gonna be at this show? Maybe. I like nobody has heard anything about a new Elder Scrolls. Like if if there was like the games, games. Uh, community is usually very leaky, leak heavy. So I, I think would have. Well, I mean, but they that. said though, right after Fallout Four, it's the next Elder Scrolls game. Yeah, but we don't really know what's what's in store. Uh, yeah, I guess. Uh, maybe uh, nothing in Fallout. I don't think there's going to be any Fallout no, stuff because they already no, no they just Fallout. finished the Fallout Four DLC run, so that's yep. on the back burner for a bit. I feel like yeah. you know they had Fallout Shelter. I feel like we're going to see an Elder Scrolls style, one of those free-to-play games for mobile. Oh, it might, yeah. I, that's, that, that's I'm willing to put yeah. money on that, a free-to-play mm-hmm. game for mobile coming out of Bethesda. Yep. yep. Um, next up, uh, we have Bethesda, uh, sorry, Ubisoft on Monday. Assassin's Creed, um, right? Yes, I am super excited. Uh, hope, I'm hopeful and excited. And they're going to show us their, their new logo, which is terrible. Oh, Lord, that new logo. I don't even want to talk about that right now. <laughs> uh, uh, it's, 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 a, it's whatever. It's a new logo. Corporate rebranding. Hashtag brands, whatever. Um, yeah, it's a new Assassin's Creed, uh, Far Cry 5. Uh, they already announced all of this, really, uh, especially Far Cry. Um, yeah, that's, that's going to be the big franchises that you Some indie stuff, have. right? Oh, no, Maybe, the yeah. Rayman Rabbids Mario crossover. Oh, that one, that one, but a switch, Ooh. switch game. That one's going to be there. Yes, that that is that is definitely. Also, back to Bethesda, Elder Scrolls release date for the Switch. Oh, you mean Skyrim? Yeah, Skyrim for the Switch. We're going to see that too. There's, uh, but Ubisoft is definitely going to have some uh, Switch stuff to announce. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Ubisoft. I'm I'm excited for the Assassin's Creed and Far Cry stuff. Yeah, but the uh, Rabbids uh, crossover thing is also also cool. Uh, good to have more third party games for the Nintendo Switch. Uh, moving on from Ubisoft on Monday as well is Sony. Um, Sony is, uh, I mean, I don't think they're going to do any new hardware, so it's going to be all games. Yeah. Um, do you think they're, they're going to have... finally uh, kill off the PS Vita? I mean, like, right? Ooh. like and, and manufacturing of it. Because at this point, what is coming out besides weird anime games in Japan? Who is, who is making anything for the Vita? Only Japanese developers are making yeah, anything for the like, Vita right now. Just end production of it. I guess at this point, right? Like, they're not really making that much of them, but just officially yeah. kill it off. Just put the nail in the coffin, Sony. Yeah, so they're going to be uh, having stuff like uh, Spider-Man Days Gone. Um, Definitely a 30-minute Destiny presentation. Yes. Like, a, a uh, major part of that key, of that keynote is going to be just about Destiny 2. Destiny 2 is going to be a big deal. Um, Maybe the new Call of Duty game if they get the exclusive. Depends yeah, on if un- Uncharted uh, Lost Legacy, which is like a, which is like a bit of uh, like a big story DLC to Uncharted Four, right. and the uh, movie stuff too, right? The Uncharted movie in that might get a little bit of teasers ooh, yeah. and all that stuff yeah. at the Sony one. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Also, yeah. Ubisoft so might be showing off the wait. The Assassin's Creed movie already come out. Yeah, it, it already came out uh, on twenty sixteen. How bad was um, it? I haven't watched it, but I heard it's 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 not good. Oh, okay. uh, as as they usually are. Um, they're not good. Uh, well, what else does so, Sony might do? Maybe Grand Turismo. No, Grand Turismo Sport came out. The beta is um, this week. It's in closed beta, mm-hmm. so Grand Turismo Sport might be making a little more of an appearance at over there. Although, yes. do you know? Do you know real quick what is the difference between like Grand Turismo Sport and a proper Grand Turismo release? No, I have never played a Grand Turismo game, so uh, I don't know. Because I saw a Digital Foundry video on it, and I was really confused. I was like, "When did anyone announce this? I haven't seen anything about this on any site." Yeah, yeah, I haven't heard any press about Grand Turismo. So yeah, so maybe like Grand Turismo Sport, and maybe a teaser for Grand Turismo Eight. Maybe yeah, it might be. Maybe. It might still be too early in this generation for the next proper Grand Turismo game. Yeah, um, so it is. Do you think we're gonna have a PlayStation All Stars? Another one? All Stars. That's the uh, the Smash Brothers clone, right? I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah, that was released last generation. Ooh, back oh. to Microsoft. I know we're jumping around, but Killer Instinct might have some stuff. I feel like Killer Instinct. They might be. Oh, doing they some might. Stuff. Yeah, they might announce some new content for Killer Instinct. But uh, so uh, Sony, though, I don't. Mm. Nothing else that comes to mind. Yeah, like uh, Ratchet and Clank did. last year. Uh, yeah. Sly Cooper, maybe. Maybe. They might have not, yeah, some indie stuff. God, maybe, definitely yeah. Square Enix is going to be Square Enix and announce a bunch of bullshit that isn't going to come out. 
Yeah, Final Fantasy <laughs> stuff, man. Final Fantasy Seven, Kingdom Hearts Three. Uh, what else? The um, Shenmue remake might get some Shenmue time. remake. Yep. And, and oh, Gurren Metal maybe Cry he, again. Oh, maybe uh, Hideo Kojima has come on stage again and tease. Oh no, definitely, uh, he, definitely, because he has the exclusive at Sony, right? Yeah. So we're probably going to see Hideo Kojima on stage again, being um, very horny. Very horny with another weird trailer uh, to this game. Yeah. Well, speaking of weird, uh, last presentation on Tuesday, uh, Nintendo. Nintendo having a presentation. I thought it was a Nintendo Direct. Yeah, I mean that's oh, what I meant. Oh, yeah, okay, I was about to be like Nintendo hasn't presented E3 for a while. Um, this yeah. one's gonna be easy. Breath of the Wild DLC, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe DLC, uh, Splatoon 2, which still doesn't have a two in the middle of it, is a really missed opportunity. Um, <laughs> Super Mario and Odyssey. Yeah, uh, maybe some more indie stuff. Maybe some Pokemon stuff. Uh, Xenoblade Two, maybe. Uh, yeah. will be, maybe Bayonetta. Question maybe mark? Bayonetta. Question mark? I don't know. I don't know if Bayonetta might be too is, soon is, since uh, Bayonetta Two came out a while back, and I don't know if they're really going to pursue that. Yeah. Um. What else? Definitely like, not Metroid. Maybe. Please. Please. Please, I, I, I've never played a Metroid game, so I don't know. I would buy a Switch if a Metroid, if a proper Metroid game came to it, but uh, no Metroid games came to the Wii U nor the 3DS. So huh. what's the point? Yeah, I don't think we're gonna see Metroid. They're gonna detail uh, their online service more, and we're all gonna make fun of them. We're gonna have an, edica- an episode dedicated yep. to shitting on Nintendo and online services. I know that yep. for sure. Uh, yep. Because have you that seen all- the Splatoon 2 beta? They had a picture for the headset. You know, you have to do it. It's a double-ended 3.5 millimeter headphone jack. You plug one oh, end to your iPhone, the other end into the Switch, and that's how you do voice communication. Okay, hold, 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 hold up, hold up for... They're using a 3.5mm jack. Um, I don't have one on the uh, iPhone 7, so I'd have to use a dongle, right? Yeah, and the best part oh, is Lord. it's plugged into your fucking Switch and your phone at the same time while using the Nintendo app on your phone. Nintendo, why? Why Nintendo? It's why? fucking beautiful. I was looking at this and I'm like, what is this monstrosity? This, okay, that's bad. That's going to be a different topic because we're running long already, but... Oh, Lord. Nintendo's going to be a hot mess, and they're still not going to retweet that one guy from Polygon, so why even fucking bother, man, you know? Yeah. Why even fucking bother? 